What up fam, I'm Elena, a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and hormone specialist. I'm a former public educator turned holistic fitness coach, and I'm on a mission to disrupt diet culture and educate individuals on how they can heal their gut issues, hormone imbalance, and food relationships caused by chronic dieting, inflammation, and autoimmune or chronic illness. My philosophy for coaching is simple. Eat more, move better, feel amazing, because life is too short to feel like shit. So let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of What the Funk. I believe today is episode um, 13, if I'm not mistaken. I would have to look that up. Um, don't quote me on the top of my head. So it's either episode 13 or episode 14. And today I'm very excited because we're doing a little bit of a uh, coffee chat style. I have a friend and colleague here, Megan Waits, um, who is um, at Megan Waits on Instagram. <laughs> is it Megan period Waits? Like Megan Dobbs? <laughs> Yes. Um, and she and I actually have kind of an interesting story with how we met. So um, I met Megan when she was doing, I think, support or sales for a, a group coaching container. Um, when I started my business, because I was looking for just some support with how to like structure my business and like sort of do it on my own. And the first conversation that I ever had with her was how I was quitting teaching and going full-time coaching. And she was like the first face that I saw sort of on that journey. And now we are colleagues within a cohort um, running our businesses full time, which is kind of a cool, cool circle right? moment, which is really yes. wild. I was thinking about that like right before the podcast. I was like, oh, yeah, memories. I remember like it was like October. I was like on fall break and you were like in your one apartment and it was like there was like a wall behind you. At, at oh, yeah. My little apartment that like I had a nook for an office at that point. Yeah, it was like in a little nook. <laughs> pretty funny. Um, and I was so excited. And I was like, I just remember like really looking up to you as like a coach and like a leader in the industry. And I was just like, Megan, that's such a good example. Like she's so just like honest and like ethical and just very real. And I was like, this is great. So it's really cool to be able to like, feel like I'm like, we're colleagues. Yes, this is so exciting. I love it. Like, I made it. <laughs> For real though. For real. Yeah. So, um, and you guys know me, if you've been around here on the podcast, so Megan, do you want to just like introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us about kind of like your story, your journey and, and a little bit about how you ended up in this, um, wild, wild west industry that we call the online fitness coaching business. Oh my gosh. Yes, for sure. I'll try not to make it like super long winded. I'm like the worst at concise introductions. Same piece. Um, ADHD problems. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like either too short or too long. Um, anyway, hello, I'm Megan. Um, I have been in the fitness space for a little over almost seven years, almost seven years. Um, I, it's kind of like a fun fact about me. I didn't really grow up like in athletics or doing anything like that. I, I grew up, um, very involved in like the performing arts, which is another, another way that Elena and I have like, so, um, yeah, both so classically I, trained musicians. So yes, I know it's so cool, right? I know. Not common. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I didn't really get into, fitness until I was 18. Um, and I always like to share that with people just because and I feel like a lot of people come into the industry already having some experience, but, um, I, and I let that limit me for a long time. And then I finally realized it really doesn't matter. So I always like to just kind of share that with people, but, um, yeah, so I got into fitness because I met my then boyfriend, now husband, and I thought he was just like real hunky and had big biceps. And I was like, I'm going to start working out because you're working out. And then 
you know, started because of a boy and now we're here. And, um, and then it's interesting because my journey is also unconventional in the sense that I feel like a lot of people go into fitness to like lose weight to get healthier, but I actually went into it to gain weight to get healthier. I was five, four, I think it was like sub 100 pounds when I started. You were itty bitty. Um, I was teeny tiny. Um, and yeah, so I've gained like, I don't know, like 25, 30 pounds since then. And so much stronger, um, so much self-confidence now compared to then. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just the first few years of my fitness journey were so incredibly transformative and life-changing, like beyond what I ever anticipated it would be, as I feel like that's how it yeah. goes for all of us. We all were like, oh, I'm going into it for this. And I think this is what I'm going to get out of it. And you get and some it goes, right. Exactly. And I just, to make a long story short, like didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, but I'd always kind of knew I wanted to own my own business. I was like the idea of that. And so at a certain point, I just, my husband was like, why don't you become a personal trainer? And I kind of started thinking about it and I was like, Mm -hmm. how fulfilling and rewarding would it be to have the opportunity literally to make a living off of helping other people facilitate that type of transformation in their own lives? And then the rest is kind of history. So now I've been a coach in the space for over four and a half years now. So, and now we're here. Now we're here. Yeah. So that, 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 is, that is interesting. You know, we both had sort of like these weird, like introductions to fitness, thinking that it was going to be one thing and, and it ended up being the opposite. And so really um, what we're here to chat with you guys about today um, is that ignorance is not bliss and just kind of like our hot takes on some things we've experienced, some things that we did that like, if we had to go back in time to like warn ourselves, like we had to use like a time turn, like leave ourselves a message of like, don't do this, that we probably might avoid doing some of those things. And, and even just some things that are potentially even happening within the fitness space right now that, you know, I always like to allude to like diet culture is really toxic, but fitness culture can also be really toxic. And, and that's usually the flashier side that people, when they start looking to fitstagram, quote unquote, fitstagram. Interrupting the podcast for just a second. I know you're feeling foggy, groggy, and bloated, totally not yourself. Wondering how the heck to get back to feeling like you did two, five, or 10 years ago. Maybe you've got gut issues, you've been diagnosed with an autoimmune or chronic illness, but you still want to be strong and be able to move your body in a way that empowers you and lets you be there for life experiences to their fullest. Add in a dash of diet culture shame and feeling like less food and more movement is the answer, and you've now got a recipe for disaster that has left you feeling miserable and frustrated and ready to call it quits on all efforts to make a change. Enter stage right, VIP coaching. VIP coaching is my one-on-one coaching container where we take all of your foggy, groggy woes, dive deep into your daily routines and lifestyle and use food and movement to cultivate a holistic approach to getting your quality of life back to where it needs to be. This is the dump your diet method. Eat better, move smarter and feel amazing. It's time to leave behind your search engine overwhelm and trendy fad diets that don't give you a roadmap for what to do when it's over. It's time to dump your diet so you can feel vibrant, energized, and healthy every single day of your life. Learn more in the show notes. This one decision could totally change your life. 
Instagram um, for like inspiration and advice is that you see a lot of the toxic and damaging um, behaviors and trends within the fitness industry sort of as your first like that's the first thing that you see when you're sort of starting your fitness journey. Um, and that can be very damaging to people just mentally as well as physiologically um, in the long term. And then that's where, like, you know, I think a lot of what we end up working with, you know, where you and I have, I think we have varying coaching styles, but we have a lot of the same values, <laughs> which, you know, is really good because we're we're all different. And that's the one thing too is like, you know cool about being in the fitness industry and about coaching and about, you know, being in like different cohorts, working with other professionals is that you really get a sense of like camaraderie and there, there really is room for every person to succeed because everybody has their own little bucket of issues that they're carrying around. And, yeah. you know, there's, so there's a coach to help everybody and everybody yeah. has their own take, but you and I very much have the like mindset of how do we remove ourselves from these toxic behaviors, toxic trends, and really truly kind of find that balance? And I think that both of us had experienced very much the extreme side of certain things mm -hmm. um, going on in our journey. So I'll, I'll let you kick it off as the guest of honor. What is the first thing that comes to mind of things that you did that you wish that you didn't do? <laughs> or that mm -hmm. now that you know better? <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like, what, where are you even start? So I'm not going to say like, I wish I hadn't done this because I am glad I did it. Um, but I, I think back, like the first thing that comes to mind is my, my first and only actual bikini competition that I did back in 2018. And I'd been in fitness for two years at that point, And I'd always knew I kind of like wanted to compete. That was always like the first initial goal I really had. And it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot, but I think that was so it was the first time I'd ever hired a coach it was the first time I'd ever followed like a diet plan it was the first and like to to like drop weight too yeah. so that was weird the first time I followed like a work like a really rigid workout plan like all that so um I think it taught me a lot but I also wish that I had I wish I'd hired a coach before then <laughs> honestly like I wish that hadn't been like the first time I really um like followed a plan I wish I'd like hired a coach initially because you know what you do as a competitive athlete what you have to do to succeed as a competitive athlete yeah. is very different than what you have to do to succeed as just like someone who wants to look move and feel better yeah and since that was the first time I'd ever like work with someone or like followed a plan that was my point of reference and so that is sort of like everything else is an extension of that and I was like oh okay so in order to like do a cut I have to eat turkey and sweet potatoes and in order like I have to do hours of cardio and like it definitely skewed like I didn't actually understand at that point how mm -hmm. things worked and so that's just how I thought they worked so I feel like it kind of set the stage for this like very all or nothing mentality. So I wish that I had worked with someone right off the bat or just been in a position to understand more of like the ins and outs of how things actually worked instead yeah. of just like doing things and not actually understanding why. Yeah. Because I made it so much harder on myself than it had to be just in general. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to piggyback off of that because I definitely, um, you know, had a similar experience where the first time I hired like a coach seriously I had like a personal trainer in like high school that I worked out with like once or twice a week and his name was Jeb and like we did like boxing together and like mm -hmm. he took me through like a circuit on like the machines and he did introduce me to a barbell but I was still really scared of the weight room I was I literally remember telling him I'm scared of the weight room 
<laughs> but on my first actual like true foray into following something like really structured and actually following through with it was working with a bodybuilding coach with the intent to compete. And so I did do a competition in 2014 and then another one in 2019, I think it was 2019. Yes. Cause it was, it was, at, Oh, maybe it was 2018. I can't remember. It was, it was, it was before or after grad school. I can't recall. Um, and, um, that's to be honest, and I'm going to like out myself to my followers. That is the only time that I've ever intentionally dieted and like lost weight. I have never been in a diet or a calorie deficit to lose weight outside of a competition prep. And I, at one point thought, oh, I'm really going to get serious about this. And I really want to do this. And then I started working with a different coach who turns out, you know, very healthy for the context of bodybuilding athletes takes very good care of their health. And when I realized the extent to what even my lifestyle outside of prepping needed to look like in order to be successful in that space, I really had to have sort of like a, a big talk with myself and go, is this really what you want for yourself? Or are you okay dropping the identity of a competitor? And that is such a mind fuck when you feel that the only way you can be valid in the space <gasps> is if you are actively competing or pursuing a physique goal. <laughs> I, we could do a whole podcast episode. Oh, God. I know, I know. That's like that's last year. Like that was when I had to shed that identity because I I stepped on stage once, but I did three preps. Like I mm-hmm. like tried to make it happen multiple times, and I was right yep. there with you. I just really didn't feel like I could be successful in the space without that. Yeah. Um, because I was like, and anyway, that's just what's going to draw people to me because it's flashy and it's glamorous. Right. And it's like even if that's not actually what I do with clients, like it's exactly. going to draw them in and. I mean, I feel like, I feel like the era of that's come and gone. You can be a successful coach without being a competitive athlete. Cause I'm not technically a competitive athlete right now, but yeah. anyway, I digress 1000%. But it is true. But it is true. On that. Yeah, no, it's for sure true. You know, it, as professionals in the industry, we it's, it is hard to come to the concept of your body is not your business card. The way that my body looks or how much I weigh or how much I even lift, depending on what I'm going through. And that moment has no bearing on my ability to have a positive impact on my clients and community. And that's definitely, and, and this was, I was coming through this, um, you know, two years ago when I was starting my business and like starting to go off on my own. And I had been in the fitness industry for a little while. I'm in another capacity. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go into this. And if I have to be competing, if I'm starting my business and I just remember, I just was like, I can't do this anymore. Cause I also tried to, I also did multiple preps beyond those two competitions that I did. And sometimes it just didn't work out. And so it really is. And this is not, you know, we're not like knocking the sport. I think we're just, we're just trying to, you know, be more aware before you start to go into like, I'm going to use a bikini competition as a way to transform my body. Really think long and hard about whether that's the first experience that you want working with somebody or being consistent in the gym, because Megan made an excellent point that I'm going to reiterate what you have to do in order to be a competitive athlete. And then on top of that, a successful competitive athlete is much different than how you can maintain and live your life just to feel, move, and, you know, look the way that you feel that you want to look just, and, and to be completely honest, and I'm sure that you see this too. A lot of times people will start to work with us because part of the driving force is they don't like their physique the way that it is, Mm -hmm. but once they start moving better and feeling better, Mm -hmm. their physique 
reasons for starting a coaching program with anybody, those become much smaller and much less impactful. It becomes less of a driving force because Mm -hmm. they're starting to reap the benefits of stronger, more energy. My guts are less messed up. I have more mental clarity throughout the day. I'm more confident because I've, I'm building a skill. Um, and so that's, yeah. So definitely, um, not pursuing bodybuilding as your first dive in long hard road to follow. So that would be, yeah, that's definitely, I'm glad you said that. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and so I think the other thing that I want to, um, uh, let's, we'll kick this off and this, this gets, um, I've gotten into this, I think a little bit before on maybe another podcast, but I haven't really talked about it explicitly is I wish that I knew when I started, I don't, I don't even know how to phrase this. I don't wish, I, I wish that I started with something other than tracking macros. Interesting. And I'm, and I'm going to explain why oh. is because I came from a like um, disordered eating past. Um, I, I'm recovered from bulimia for nine years. I can't count. I don't, the last time I made myself throw up, I was 23. So um, <laughs> I'm 31 now. So eight years, I can't math that. How long is that? 23, seven, seven, eight. Yeah, seven. Seven, seven. there we go. Seven. I can, we can count. Um, anyway. <laughs> I thought it was like longer than that, but apparently it hasn't been. Um, so I used, and again, this kind of goes into, I used hiring a coach and doing bodybuilding as part of my way to sort of eliminate the binging and purging behaviors. And that was not the way to do it. <laughs> and because tracking macros, while it is an amazing tool, it's an amazing tool. It teaches you a lot about the nutrients within your food. I didn't know how to eat without using and tracking app for the longest time. And I wish that I had learned more about food quality and food nutrients before I ever worried about the calories that were in the food. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at the quality versus the quantity. And and that has definitely colored my coaching because while I do coach macros for some of my clients, that is a very small portion of the individuals that I coach Mm -hmm. are not using macros or we use it intermittently, you know, as maybe even just like a gauge checker, like, okay, you feel like you're getting a little not sure of how things are going. Maybe let's just track for like a few weeks, see where you're at. And they're like, oh, I was doing fine. I'm like, yeah. And so I wish that I had not started my formal, like working with somebody or even getting into fitness. I wish that I had gone and, and granted before this, I was using like the bodybuilding.com meal plans. Oh yeah. Classic. Throwback. Yep. <laughs> um, throwback to the early 2010s. If you know, you know, um, <laughs> I wish that I hadn't started tracking macros because then after I got out of, um, <clears throat> tracking you eventually burn out on tracking your food and you shouldn't be tracking your food for the rest of your life like it's a tool to be used and yes. I had to relearn how to eat yep. after that yep. and was terrified of certain foods so even while tracking macros helped me to a degree I still had a lot of issues and bias towards certain food that I had to undo after the fact yep so that yeah. yeah it's like <sighs> You know, some people, when they go into it, they need more structure. Mm-hmm. Some people need more flexibility. And it's yeah. about figuring out which of those things you need and what's the best way to give yourself that, right? Yes. Um, I think for me, macros is really helpful. Like, I think it is what I needed at the time. So, like, well, when I did, like, bodybuilding, it was, like, a meal plan. 
Yeah. So I didn't even learn how to count macros first. Like I went straight onto a meal plan, which is like very like from no structured diet, never called the most structured. The most structured, right? So yeah, pendulum swung one way and then the other. And then I learned macros, which for me at the time was like the in-between. Yes. Um, so I think it's like different things for different people, right? Totally. Oh, 100%. I agree. Like I feel like that probably wasn't great for you. <laughs> it's not what everyone needs. Um, and that's the thing, there's no one way to do things. Maybe that's like another thing like I wish I knew. Like there is no one single way. Yeah. to do things there's no one it's kind of like the, the bodybuilding.com meal plans girl that, that meal plan is gonna do one thing for one person another thing for another but it doesn't work that exactly. way it just doesn't work same thing right you you have the expectation of this is like i'm gonna use this as, a, as an example because i really like followed this person and like looked up to them in their in their bodybuilding career as i was like aspiring to be like a mm -hmm. fit chick hashtag fit chick um on instagram is um felicia romero um and she is very big within you know she's a very big name within the bodybuilding industry um she does i think still like host shows and is involved although she does not actively compete anymore um she's definitely kind of gone more of the holistic like whole body route over the last i think like you know five to six years and so her content has shifted which is really cool to see somebody like sort of successfully transition out of the extreme lifestyle of bodybuilding into just taking care of their body, which is super fun to see. But I had this expectation in my mind of if I'm going to follow this meal plan that Felicia Romero has put out onto bodybuilding.com, I'm going to look like Felicia Romero. Right? <laughs> that is not how it works. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's even like, even with workouts, you know what I mean? I will say like, for most people, like, you know, if you, especially if you're a beginner, like, um, it's it's only you only need so much customization yeah. like i mean you know like something is still better than nothing like fundamentals right if it's not broke don't fix it like what's been proven to work works but it's like even if you were to go to my instagram and like do one of the workouts i posted that i do mm -hmm. it's not gonna make you look like me or no. anyone else and like that's based off like what i need mm -hmm. you know and like my goals so yeah like i definitely wish i would have known there's no you know one two three different ways to do it. it's so yeah. so much nuance so much um and especially as you progress like as a beginner there are like i kind of said like only so many different you know initial first steps but right. as you progress and like different things are gonna need to be changed for different people based off like where you're at and how you're progressing and you're but like all this it's so unique to the individual mm -hmm. it really is and i think that too you know even jumping off of that like i wish that i had known that there's that you're allowed to change your mind on, on certain Ooh, things like that's a good one like yeah just because you are doing something like one way for a certain amount of time and you feel like you're maybe because i feel like everybody's been there we've all gotten like kind of like we're not excited about maybe our lifts anymore for like a stretch of time and we need to like do something to kind of keep us like excited about moving our bodies that it's okay to rework the system a little bit to keep yourself in movement and to keep yourself feeling good that if you need to step back from maybe like 
quite as heavy lifting. Like for a long time, my focus was I want to be as strong as I possibly can. And then I just got like burnt out. And granted, part of that was just due to like poor structure with my training. I wasn't giving myself enough rest. <laughs> that's another thing where I'm going to, I have another one that's going to be really good that I think I'm going yeah, to relate yeah. to here in a moment. <laughs> but um, I like realized, okay, I need to incorporate like maybe like another activity throughout the week to keep <clears throat> myself like just physically engaged, give myself a break on this side of things. And um, you know, keep myself excited about it. Maybe I don't lift quite as heavy and granted knowing what I know now, and I'm sure you can relate to this, knowing what we know now about training and periodization and hypertrophy training and strength training and, and all of the variables within that, um, you know, it's, it's much less likely for, you know, I think at this point for us to like, if we feel like we're getting burnt out on something, we're good at like evaluating, what is maybe going wrong in our programming or within our bodies biomechanically or, and how to like sort of taper things or switch them so that we still getting our good structure, but are introducing some novelty within, mm -hmm. you know, granted, you should not be training, changing your training every single week. You should be doing more or less the same thing week in and week out for probably like eight to 12 weeks at a time. Like, at like, and I think I like, I squat all year round. I deadlift all year round. I hip press all year round. I do shoulder presses all year round. I just might do like, maybe like a slight variation, time under tension, tempo, um, changing, you know, the, a slight position, maybe doing like a different style of deadlift or, you know, um, doing, you know, uh, do exactly you're changing it, but you're still doing the same movement patterns. You shouldn't really be deviating from that, but there's ways to change it within there. But I felt for the longest time, if I don't do a bro split, I'm going to lose all my gains. And I was like, yeah. like, who, excuse me? Like, who, how did I come up with that? I have no idea how I came up with that. Maybe get some of this, bro. Like, <laughs> like if I'm not doing a five day body part split <laughs> with a cardio and abs day in the middle, <laughs> everything's going to go to shit. I was like, it was a six day split for me. Oh my God. Oh, I tried that one time and I almost died. Yeah. Like, well, oh. mm -mm. And on that note, this is going to be a fun one. I wish that I had known that training at five o'clock in the morning after five hours of sleep was not a good move and that it wasn't mm -hmm. worth going to the gym for the sake of going to the gym on that little sleep. Yeah. Kind of like along with that, the one I was thinking is I wish I would have known like more is not better. Yeah. Like more training days is not better. More volume is not better. More like, um, or even like in the same vein, less is not more either. Like mm -hmm. less, ca like less calories isn't always better. Less sleep, like you were saying, like not always better, right? Yeah. Like what's, what is, what is more, like what is the best is like that sweet spot between- exactly. Yeah. So kind of sometimes you do have to gauge, like you were talking about, I have this conversation with my clients all the time. Yeah. I'm sure you've, this has probably come up for you too, right? Do I, sometimes you're going to face like, do I sleep in? Do I get a workout? In? Like do, or not even sleep in. Do I, do I get more sleep or do I get a workout? In? And right. I feel like toxic fitness culture tells us like sleep when you're dead. Like, I know. Yeah. It's like team nose days off, go get your workout in, yeah. you know, better to be sore than sorry. Like, that the only bad workout is the one you didn't do oh my god no and those like pinterest inspiration oh so cringe so cringe yeah. so bad yeah oh 
Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. <laughs> Freaking just let me know. Mm-mm. No, absolutely nope. not. Nope. Absolutely. Yeah. So you gotta, it's like true like health and well-being, right? Is not necessarily the same thing as like what toxic diet and fitness. Uh, oftentimes, 99% of the time, I'd argue, like what diet culture and like toxic fitness culture and all that tell you to do is not actually what's conducive to your optimal overall health and well-being, right? Absolutely. It glamorizes a lot of the wrong stuff, you know, yeah. and it might make you feel like you're doing the most, but like well, doing, the, doing the most isn't always like best. <laughs> no, and doing the most isn't yeah. best. And then that kind of comes back to like, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. And again, <laughs> and this might drive people who are listening to this crazy, but if you've, if you've been around on my content, you're always going to hear me say, well, what is the best for X, Y, Z? And I'm going to go, it depends. Exactly. There's, it's so individual to the person. So yeah. like, you can't even like go up to like Megan or I, or slide into our DMS and go, Hey, I have a question about X, Y, Z. Like, and if you do that, like, we're likely going to respond to you. We don't like those people in our DMS. We like talking to people, um, you know, and, and we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to probably be like, well, I need to know do you have a family? What are your work commitments? How often are you working? What is your commute? Like, what is your current sleep? Like, what is your stress management? Like, what is your current eating behaviors? Like, like we need, we need more context before we can tell you what's going to maybe be optimal for you as an individual. And that's why, like, when we're coaching people, like, that's why everything that we do, like not a single one of our clients is following like the same exact protocol or, or structure because everybody's different. You know, you're going to get somebody like, I'm going to use my niece for an example. Like she works out at the gym, like, you know, I think like four to five days a week. And she's really focused on getting stronger and gaining weight, kind of like a similar, like, you know, she's a twin. So she was mm-hmm. kind of smaller when she was a kid. And then she was a swimmer. So she just burns through calories, like nobody's business. She's just got, she's got that style metabolism as well as like body type um more like ectomorph like just burns through everything constantly very lean um so she struggles to gain weight but she's a nurse and she's a single mom (laughs) like so her structure and like her time and how she has to do things and like her and i've chatted about this before looks different than somebody who is maybe like in a two income household with two jobs and only works like works you know works I don't want to say only works but like works like a more consistent schedule that doesn't have like three or four really intense days back to back and then like three or four days off you know what I mean so like that output is going to vary from person to person likewise you know like even like Megan and I like our even though we're both we're both working from home. We're both full-time, you know, working online. Like that doesn't mean that we, you know, have all this time in the world to like go to the gym and do all the things. Like I still have to make my ass up at like six o'clock in the morning to go get in a workout most days, because if I don't do it, then it's not going to happen throughout the rest of the day. That's just how my day is structured. And I have to follow that. And like Megan probably has a structure that she follows and it looks so different for each person. So what is the optimal balance between rest and pushing yourself and making progress. It depends. And so be very like, I wish that, and again, this kind of goes into the things that we wish we knew. I wish that I had understood earlier on that there are not necessarily hard and fast rules about what's correct. Ooh, that was going to be the next thing I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. I wish I knew there was rarely absolutes with like health and fitness and people really, freaking people love absolutes. Like, like, mm. 
life. The other day, I posted a video of me bench pressing, right? And this guy, Dancy, and he's like, am I, I, I could say so many things about this, but I'm only gonna say one thing about it. In my opinion, it doesn't count because your back was arched. A whole other debate for a whole other time, okay? But I, he was, he was trying to tell me that like, it, it just, it did not count because like absolutely didn't count because absolutely like arching your back is absolutely not correct. And flat back is the end all be all. <sighs> anyway, so I messaged him back. And like, so this is a guy, he's, he's like, to my knowledge, he's not a coach. He's not like a professional in the space, whatever. It doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's talking about. But me being a coach, professional in the space, all that, knowing what I know, that absolutes rarely, you know, exist. I messaged him back and I was like, I mean, like, okay, you're like, you're entitled to that opinion. But I found there's, there's not, it's neither here nor there. Flat back might work for some people. Arch back might work for some people. It's not either or. It doesn't, yeah. it's not this either or sort of thing. And if you understand that, that's a really good way, honestly, to tell who knows their shit in the space and who doesn't and who's yeah. actually a professional is like, do they speak in absolutes or not? You know what I mean? Are they trying to tell you that the only way to lose weight is to eat less, move more? I used to, I'll be the first to say, I used to just tell people that, right? And now I understand there's so much more nuance. Some people, most people probably just need to eat less, move more. Not everyone, not everyone. It's not necessarily just that. So yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I remember one time uh, there was a guy, I, I like posted a video of me squatting or something like that. And again, it's the same thing. And, and that's an important thing to know, like before anybody goes and tries to like critique anybody's like form on an Instagram video, first of all, you can only see so much from certain angles. Oh yeah. Second of all, oh, yeah. you don't know about that person's specific biomechanics and why they do or yeah. do not set certain things up. Like mm -hmm. I squat a very specific way because mm -hmm. low and you get this long ass fucking legs. Like, yes. just, and so that changes how I have to place my stance. It changes how I need to, you know, drive the bar path and, and how I even like hold and unrack the bar from <laughs> the, the, I, I even unracked the bar from the squat rack. It's like biomechanics play such a huge role. And this is the other thing. I swipe work, <laughs> swipe workouts. And, and, and this is not to say that like, I will post my training every now and then I know Megan, you post a lot about your training, but I'm never going to go up to, we've never once gone and said in any of that, you need to go follow this and do this the exact way that I'm doing it. Yep. because there's there's so much it, how people are built how they leverage things any any injuries that they might be having any even preferences even training preferences that makes such a big difference in how you approach sometimes even standard quote-unquote standard movements like a squat or like a yeah. bench or like a deadlift like i like, hate with the bench press right like so my husband has completely opposite proportions of me. So I'm all limbs, tiny, tiny, short, short little torso. Like sports girls are basically like crop tops on me, right? Yeah. He's the complete opposite. Just for reference, like we have like our wingspan is the exact same. I'm five four. He's six one. His all his height comes from his torso. So totally opposite. So when it comes to bench press, my weakest lift is strongest lift. 
the way he, and I've asked him for advice on bench press before. And of course, like he tries to help and, and like tells me what's worked for him. But I'm now learning like what works for him is probably not gonna be what works for me. So he's like, you know, like narrow stance, like thighs hug the bench, like feet close to the bench. And I literally just recently was like, why is this not clicking for me? It's because I'm like a wide and out stance person because my ratios are different, yeah. right? He doesn't have to bench like with his grip as wide as me because his arms are a lot shorter. But for me, it's like, I'm making it way harder on myself if my grip's not wider, right? Mm -hmm. He's gonna have like, relatively speaking, like a higher number just because proportionally ratio wise, it's just more conducive to better. But so it's like, there is no hard and fast, like do this, don't do this with biomechanics or same thing with like squats, right? Like someone was trying to tell me one time that I needed to do a wider toes out stance to, to like, I don't know, to do more weight. I don't have that doesn't work like, for me. good external hip rotation. So I actually get better glute engagements and better hip drive with like a narrow toes forward stance. And that's Same. just me. Not a lot of people, but that's me. That's you. That's yeah. Too, yeah. Yeah. I definitely am a more like, I prefer a slightly narrower with like a, just like a, just toes barely out. And I prefer yeah. a high bar versus a low bar. Oh, I'm opposite there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But again, it's all preference and it works yeah. different for each person because everybody engages and their bodies are put together slightly differently. So it's just like, you know, not, not accepting. And that's something to just look for. I think if you are, you know, you are into fitness, you do like following fitness, Instagram, you like following coaches and people who share information, be wary of, of individuals who speak in absolutes on really anything. I think that there's a few absolutes that I think most coaches can agree on. Like people probably need to have better stress management. Oh, <laughs> they probably need better sleep hygiene. <laughs> Y'all probably could eat a few more vegetables and fruits throughout your day. And I think that's probably going to be about it. Yep. <laughs> that's really like the three that's going to be the majority of universal across the board for most people of like, that's going to be big things that most people are going to have to focus on. But, but those are, again, those are very general things. How does it, how does the sleep management look? How does your stress management look like? Not everyone's going to be okay with just like counting to 10. What's that like? What box breathing? Who, who is she? We don't know her. Like I've tried that before for stress management. Like when I get overwhelmed, like the, like that box breathing style, which is, it doesn't mm -hmm. work for me because I'm a classically trained musician and I studied the Italian school of breathing, which is based on actually suspending the breath before you phonate or sing. So what have I been doing for the last God knows how many years, essentially like whole bringing in my breath and suspending it, holding it open for like a half a second before I actually sing. So like that does not trigger my sympathetic nervous system the same way that it's going to trigger for somebody else who is not used to that style of deep diaphragmatic breathing. Mm -hmm. But for my singers out there, it's probably not going to work for you. <laughs> Maybe it does. I don't know. But it's just one of those weird things. It's like, everyone's like, take a deep breath. And I'm like, yeah, it could work for most people. It's not going to work the same for everybody. Exactly. It's a good time. Okay. So let's go ahead and do one more. Mm, okay. Let me think. Let me think. You want to think about one? We'll let you finish her off. Let's see. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, gosh. I mean, I feel like I kind of touched on it already, but yeah. I, I wish I knew like it doesn't have to be 
all or nothing. Like, yeah. That's definitely been like a big one for me because it definitely feels like it has to be all, or, it, it used to feel like it had to be all or nothing, right? Like yes. you had to either be all in or it wasn't going to work. Right. And then right. all in just like leads to, or all, all or nothing just kind of ends up leading to burnout. And then you just like end up resenting exercise and like all this. I mean, that's what happened to me yeah. after trying to compete, like forcing myself to try to compete for years yeah. before I finally accepted. It's just like, wasn't for me anymore. And, um, yeah, so I just like, I wish I understood kind of like I was saying, like that balance of structure and flexibility and like that sweet spot between like, you know, still showing up even when you don't feel like it, but also like giving yourself grace, understanding it's okay yeah. just to work out sometimes, like how to gauge that. It doesn't have to be like this all or nothing thing to get good results. And sometimes it's not even conducive to the best results. Most of the exactly. time. I like to say that, um, optimal is not always the best because what is maybe considered optimal from like a overhead perspective isn't maybe realistic or feasible for an individual on a day-to-day -day basis right and like optimal on an individual basis like that's how you should that, gauge it like optimal exactly. relatively speaking not like absolutely speaking exactly um and i think that it's important to understand that you can be all in on changing your health, changing the trajectory of your path and, and making a shift without being all or nothing. Yeah. Those two things can, you, you don't have to be all or nothing to be considered all in. And I think it's a two and to go again on like a mindset sort of tangent on this. Mm -hmm. um, I was having a conversation with one of my clients and her and I've been working together since February, I think February, we started working together and like, she's made some amazing progress, like added a lot of like muscle on her body. And mm -hmm. she is so much more aware and comfortable with her food. She's like cut down a lot on her like social drinking and just like self-regulation with like dealing with like food and social situations and being more confident and feeling more at peace with the choices that she's making, even if they're not in line sort of socially with what pe things people expect from her. And this kind of circles back to, we touched on maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome. Um, she had like a weekend where she like, you know, um, went like just balls to the walls, had like a bunch of drinks, had some fried food. And I was just like, how many times a year do you do this? Because she was just beating herself up for this. And we sort of came to the, and she was like, maybe like once or twice. I'm like, then it doesn't matter. And it really, it literally doesn't matter. It's just, it was just a fun weekend and you enjoyed it. And then now, now we can move on yeah. but part of the, part of the mental block. And I think that a lot of people are going to relate to this. As I said, when you talk about yourself to other people, do you feel like you can identify that you have interests within health and fitness? And she said, no, mm -hmm. even though she meal. She plans her meals. She exercises regularly. She hired a coach. She does her check-ins on a regular basis. She checks all of the boxes behaviorally, mm -hmm. but in her head, she does not identify and feels as if she did identify as somebody who enjoys fitness, who enjoys movement, who enjoys focusing on learning about their nutrition yeah. on, that she doesn't identify with that. And if she told somebody that she did, she wouldn't feel like it was true. Mm. And that goes back to that all or nothing mentality of, yeah. you know, it can really skew not just your ability to perform, but also your ability 
to navigate through bumps in the road. And if you don't start owning and identifying, you know, that like, I can do this, I can do that. I can be the person who does these things. They're limiting beliefs. And I know you talk about limiting beliefs a lot on your, on your page as well. And there you sort of, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh yeah. Is that by telling yourself and telling the world that I'm not the person who does this, or I'm not the person who does that. Cool. You won't be. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And even like, I mean, there's always going to be someone who's bigger, faster, stronger, more far along. Like I get that. Cause like I, there's people who have years on me when it comes to this stuff. And I could like, I could look at that and just be like, Oh, well, compared to them, like, no, like, I'm like, not really like, it's yeah. not impressive or it's not, you know, I, how, I can't call myself this because I haven't been at it as long, like whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, like you said. And I think people are just, they, the comparison game in the fitness industry is so strong. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. if, you, if you are constantly comparing and like trying to wait to call yourself X, Y, Z until you've reached whatever, I don't know, benchmark you stuff, you're never going to get there. You're right. never, there's always something you can improve upon. There's always something you can change. There's always more to be done. So it's like, Yeah, I I agree. I love that point. That's good. Yeah. And I think that we can kind of maybe end on what you just mentioned is the realization, understanding sooner that the journey never really ends. Oh, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. There's never like, I met this goal and then I'm done. Yep. It's, it's just a constant state of, of learning and being able to shift as your life shifts and your needs shift and, and maintaining that taking care of your physical body as well as, and which supports taking care of your emotional and mental body as well, um, is a lifelong journey. It's just part of how we need to learn how to live our lives in order to, you know, just Mm -hmm. get the most out of it. This, you know, you only get, you only get one. So Absolutely. Make a good one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Megan, so much for being here with us today. This was such a fun chat. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you guys can follow Megan on um, at Megan.Waits on Instagram. And you also have a podcast. It is the Train With Weights podcast, correct? I do. I'm definitely not nearly as regular with it as you are with yours, but yes. So you still got some good episodes though, for sure. So if you guys would like to check out another bomb podcast, definitely go check out Megan's podcast. Um, they also have, uh, you have the train with weights Instagram page as well. Um, I believe, right? Yes. And TikTok. For and TikTok. Yes. Stuff. And TikTok where the trolls like to come out and mansplain to you how to oh, bench press. <laughs> it's great. It's a good time. It's a good time. All right. Well, you guys, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of What the Funk, and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into the What the Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. And don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support. And I will see you next time.